Some of you know that I had a small construction company in the past. And, um, and I remember when I opened my company, my goal, and, and I sought to hire professionals, qualified men to help me because I was just started and I need some qualified um, people to work with me. And I found those guys. And in the beginning of the company, they helped me a lot. I learned a lot from them. But as I just opened the company, they were a huge burden, financial burden on the company as well. And, and also they had some, they had their own ways of doing things. <laughs> After many years in the trade, they were not so humble sometimes to accept direction for a much younger and less experienced men. So I had some issues in that regard. But I learned a lot from them. They helped me a lot in the beginning. So after realizing that I, 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 my goal right in the beginning was to hire someone, at least one guy that I could teach. Someone not as well um, experienced in the trade but someone who is willing to work hard and who is willing to learn and to submit. I was looking for someone with integrity, someone that I could rely on, trustworthy, that I could pour time on him, disciple him, right, in a um, biblical language. But the overall thing that I was looking for is someone trustworthy. And by God's grace, right in the beginning, when I opened the company, um, I found this guy. I mean, the Lord brought to the company. He was supposed just to work a day because he was not doing well financially. And a, a friend of mine called me and said, Johnny, can you take this guy? I said, brother, I have, I have other guys working. I don't have work for him. And he said, listen, he needs help. I said, all right, I can take him a day just to help him. But right in the first day, I realized that this guy has a work ethic. And I realized this is a good guy. I want him, and, and I asked him to come on, on, on the day after. And the day after became a week, two weeks, two months, five years. Um, <clears throat> in fact, yesterday, uh, he was at my place with his family, and we had a wonderful time together. So he was... He was a very committed worker. Now today, almost eight years when this started, when I look back, it was worth all the, 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 the trouble, let's say, the time that invested in. And what really captivated about him is his character. This guy had a character. Because I tried to do the same with other guys after him and did not work because they had a character issue. Their integrity was not the same. So, like I said, looking back, his character stood out among all, the, among, among all of other things. His was not experienced, not qualified. It did not matter. So it was worth to train him and invest time on him. In our passage today, Paul is emphasizing character over competency, over skills, over experience, over academic degree. Above all things, in this passage, 
Paul is highlighting character for leaders in the church. So before we, we dive into this passage, let me pray for us and ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this day and to be here in this wonderful sunny day of spring. Lord, we pray that let the light of your word shine in our midst this morning, shine in our hearts. Teach us, Lord, as elders and as a church, Lord, what it means to be a leader, a leader, leader in your church, Lord. So we pray that you may speak to us, be gracious to us, Lord, use me as an instrument. We ask these things in the name of your first son, Jesus. Amen. The main point of my sermon today, and I have a slide for them, is elders are to be blameless in their conduct and appoint qualified men who not only aspire to the not, not only aspire to leadership, but are also willing to serve and care for the church sacrificially. That's the main point that I will that I want to bring it home this morning. So just going back a little bit, in my last sermon, um, we look into the second half of chapter 2, first team of the chapter 2, where Paul clearly said that the leadership in the church must be exercised by men. And among many controversies and disagreements about first Timothy chapter 2, I think we can all agree that Paul is prohibiting something in that passage. And I share the Reformed Baptist view that Paul is prohibiting women from fulfilling the office of a pastor and carry on the responsibilities of shepherding God's people. Now in our text today, Paul lays out the qualifications for these male leaders in the church. And Paul summarizes the overarching requirements for leaders by saying that they must be above reproach, blameless. And I will be using the words and the, the terms, right? The words um, pastors, shepherds, elders, overseers, in reference to the same person, you know, leaders in the church. So just, just be aware that I will be using these words in reference to the same person. So after saying that an elder must be, an above, must be above reproach, in verse 2, what follows from verses, from the rest of, from the second half of, of verse 2 to verse 7, is a list of qualifications that elaborates on what it means to be blameless. Two Sundays ago, Pastor Damon, he preached on Acts 20, and where we saw Paul giving a farewell speech to the Ephesians elders. And he tells them that because their calling on ministry comes from God, they are to pay careful attention to themselves, to their own lives, and to care for the church of God. 
And in Acts 20, Paul warns the elders that after his departure, wolves, false teachers will come, will creep into the church and will not spare the flock. And this indeed happened, as we saw in 1 Timothy chapter 1. And in fact, one of the reasons that Timothy was sent to Ephesus was to refute false teachers, false teaching. In other words, Timothy was sent to Ephesus to clean the house of these heresies and these weird teachings. Now, going back to 1 Timothy chapter 3, the call to be blameless and the list of qualifications um, given in this chapter is a sharp contrast to the life and conduct of false teachers, as we saw in chapter 1. These teachers who, among other things, had, they, they, they had a tendency towards Quarreling, vain discussions, meaningless debates, were greedy for personal gain, self-glory. You see the sharp contrast with our passage with the conduct of these false teachers, false leaders. So Timothy's task in Ephesus was not necessarily to appoint elders, since in Acts 20 gives us evidence that there were already elders in Ephesus. But to see that these elders were living according to these standards. And of course, as this letter was meant to be read before the congregation, the church would be given grounds to discipline erring elders and look for new leaders in the church if necessary. Just to clarify, <clears throat> qualified in biblical terms has nothing to do with wealth, social status, senior age, advanced academic degree, charisma, eloquence, experience in business, or even great spiritual gifts. This passage, along with the scriptures, emphasizes character over competency. Character over competency. And even giftedness. In one sense, this passage is a light rebuke for all of us. Because more than we would like to admit we have a tendency to look at outward appearances when looking for leaders in the church. But thanks be to God, who is not swayed by outward appearances or shiny curriculums, but call people to ministry based on what he sees in the inner being. This passage also warns the church to be careful not to add man-made requirements to those already given in the scriptures and, and therefore exclude qualified men from pastoral leadership. The church has no right to diminish these standards. 
nor to create or elevate others as equal to those given by God in His Word. I like the quote from an elder called, and he wrote a book about biblical leadership, Alexander Straw, and he says something very interesting. In reference to the list in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 7, he says this, These, and only these, stand as absolute. In reference to the Word of God and these qualifications given in this passage, along with Titus chapter 1 and 1 Peter chapter 1, verse, uh, 1, 1 Peter chapter 5, in view of this passage, these are the only standards, absolute, given by God in regards of leaders in the church. Now, the New American Standard Bible translation says this about verse 1. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Others use like a good work, honorable work, right work, and like ESV use noble task. In other words, the work of shepherding, it is a fine work, a noble task. Some commentator says that in this verse, Paul is is not commending people who desire to be leaders. Rather, he's saying that because the work of the elders is a good work, therefore every man should aspire to do it. Every man in the church should aspire to do because it's a good work. That's what they say. In my view, I do think that Paul is also encouraging those who desire to serve as leaders and to pursue it. I see Paul encouraging men to pursue leadership in the church. To pursue to serve the Lord. And the way... The aspiring elders should pursue it. It's not climbing a hierarchical um, ladder like in the business world, but by growing in godly character. You see how he's encouraging? You aspire to be an elder and serve the church in different capacities. That's a good thing. And the way that you do it is by growing your godly character. And the way to grow in godly character is to spend God with is, is to spend time with God in prayer with His Word, gathering with His people, serving the church. While some in the business world may put the skills and competency over character. In the church, God values character over skills simply because the fine work of shepherding His people requires qualified men. You're starting to make the connection when I'm, when I'm talking about qualified. 
man in the church. I'm talking about character. I want you to, to be like a solidify in your mind. It, qualification, God's view, means character. Above all other, other things. Character. Character. Integrity. Or we could say work ethic, right? And the first, the first point that I want to share with you here is, uh, and I'm, I'm speaking, I'm going to speak to my fellow elders in this room or those who will listen to me and my fellow elder here. There's any other elder here by any chance? Okay. Some will listen, I guess, later. Elders, my fellow elder, our job is a fine work. It is a fine work. Brothers, our or brother, our job is to care. Our job that is to care for the church, it is not a small task. Sometimes it may not feel like we are doing a fine work with the weariness of ministry and time-consuming tasks of preparing sermons, countless hours talking with people over the phone, driving from place to place to meet with people. Shepherding may not feel like a noble task when after many sessions of counseling you see a sheep straying from the fold and even falling into sin. We may more feel like we are failing than we are doing a fine work. Leading God's people may not feel a good work when we have to do all these things amidst of our own weaknesses, sickness, pressures within and without, and seasons of discouragement. However, my fellow brother and elders, I want to remind you that our job is a fine work, difficult and wearisome, but it's a noble task. There's nothing higher in the whole world than to be called to serve the church of God. The church by which the Son of God died for. Be encouraged, my fellow shepherd. The Lord not only will continue to sustain you, but He promised to make us stronger if we rely on His enabler grace and trust in Him more. Our work is not in vain. He's preparing for us a crown of glory. And He will reward us for our labors if we are only faithful and trust in Him. Wives. Wives. Pastor's wives. Listen to me. You too do a fine work when you care for your family. While freeing time for a husband to do what he does, the support and help you give to us cannot be measured. By no means your reward will be less than that of your husband. Wives, your work is a noble task. The Lord knows what you go through as you serve Him, your family, His church. Your tears and labors are not in vain. Your work is a fine work. Rejoice in Him. 
Elders are to live a blameless life. It's a hard call, isn't it? <laughs> In other words, elders are to be qualified. Qualified. However, they are not to be professionals. They are to be qualified, but not professionals. And this is my second point that I want to share with you. The first item in this list, given by Paul, requires for the elder that he must be the husband of one wife. The literal translation of the Greek word simply means one woman men. One woman men. Now, there are four different interpretations for this phrase that I'm just going to refer here. Some understand that Paul is requiring elders to be married or prohibiting polygamy, prohibiting second marriages, or requiring marital fidelity to his one wife. Looking at Paul's life and teaching, he's not excluding singles to serve as leaders in the church. Otherwise, Paul would be disqualified. Since he never got married. The same is true for elders who do not have kids. Singles and childless men can serve in leadership positions. Polygamy could be crossed out from this list. Because not even in, in, the, certain, in the first century pagan culture, polygamy was accepted as a normal practice. Even though there's much to be said about the, the third option, second marriages, the context here is strongly suggests that Paul is emphasizing here marital fidelity. To those elders who are married, he is emphasizing marital fidelity. As a commentator pointed out, given the apparently low view of marriage and family held by false teachers and how infidelity was a common issue in the secular culture, Paul is concerned that the leaders in the church would be faithful to their wives. Um, so if you drive by Route 21 next to um, a dry cleaner on Route 21 there's a uh, service um, there's a, a plaza with many businesses and there's a business in between all of those with a huge sign that's the, the sign of the building huge with lights and everything on it says divorce 399 and then next to this sign, there's another sign saying, plus court's fees. And then there's another one saying, um, no spouse required. Uh, no, no, it's not required for the spouse to sign any paper. It's like big letters. And it's kind of interesting. Someone put this huge sign, like, you don't even know the, what is the name of the business. Who is the lawyer is doing? I don't know. Divorce 399. It can't be easier and cheaper than that, I guess, to get a divorce. Your spouse do not need to sign a paper. 
you just go there and pay, I guess, three nine nine plus the court fees. And I'm just wondering, how much are the court fees? It's always those trick little words, right? And we may think that looking at our society, um, we see divorce and, and infidelity, and we may think this is something particular to us, particular to 21st century, but not at all. In, in regards of the culture of the first century, historians tell us that marital infidelity was often assumed in the secular culture, especially in Ephesus, where the temple of Diana, Artemis, the goddess of love, was situated. So this is, we may think that this is new, not at all. We have seen this tendency throughout history. As it was in the past, it is today. Some of Satan's most effective strategies for destroying congregations is to adulterate the marriage of those who lead the church. Following, following one woman man requirement, elders or aspiring elders must be temperate or sober minded. Self-control, self-control in the use of money and alcohol, of good behavior or respectable, lovers of good, righteous. They are also to be hospitable. I'm just continuing our list here, and then we have an application for us. They are also to be hospitable meaning that their lives and, and homes must be open to all to come and see who they are in the context of their family. And among other things, I think this is one of the qualities or the qualifications that wives play a significant role. It is quite hard to be hospitable without the help of our wives, isn't it? <laughs> And in this regard, about hospitality, uh, hospitality I'm sorry, um, this church is well served. Most of us have tasted and experienced and enjoyed the hospitality of the pastoral family of this congregation. And in fact, this past Monday, if you are thinking about lunch, I'm going to help you to be even more hungry now. This past Sunday, I had a wonderful, and pastoral family gave me a wonderful cheesesteak for lunch on Monday, and, um, and then I asked for another one. And before I asked for the third one, I realized that that would be sin, because it was so good, and I had to apply self-control in my own life, and then I refrained myself with the help of the Holy Spirit, but I confessed that I was tempted. It was, I'm not sure if she would give to me, but... I felt tempted to ask. So we all have, you know, I think this church is well served in terms of hospitality. Not only from the pastoral family, but they have been an example in this area and among other areas. But I've seen this overall in the congregation being hospitable. Moving on in our list, 
Elders must be able to teach. This is the only difference between the list of qualifications um, in, in the second half between elders and deacons. Deacons, uh, elders must be able to teach. Very interesting, this is the only item in this list that requires, uh, that implies duties. Able to teach not only distinguish between these two offices in the church, but it's also one of the main responsibilities of an elder, of a pastor. Therefore, an, an elder must be firmly established in the Word of God and be able to teach the Scriptures and refute error. As a preacher said, not every teacher will be an elder, but every elder must be able to teach in some capacity. For this reason, elders must not be recent converts. They must be men who have developed a good understanding of truth through the up and downs of life. Not only intellectual truth, but truth applied. Elders are to be people who have been refined through the difficulties of life and experienced the grace of God in it. Otherwise, they might be tempted to become puffed up and fall into conceit and pride, thinking that because of their knowledge, that's why they've been appointed as elders. Moving on, leaders in the church must not be quarrelsome, contentious, or pugnacious. This is the type of man who is always arguing, always demanding to be right. A man who does not miss an opportunity to start or engage in meaningless debates and controversies. And very honest, this is quite hard to, to be around such a person, much less to follow their leadership. A man who has anger issues may have to deal with it before considering the position. Elders must not be violent, but gentle and patient. Even before those ridicule, despise or oppose their leadership. Pastors must not be drunkards, not given to alcohol, but sober. The point is that the man of God must know his limits. In this regard, since the Bible does not prohibit drinking, some elders choose not to drink at all for personal conviction, but others do. Regardless of their personal choices and convictions, they must be sober-minded. And it's quite hard to be sober-minded under alcohol influence. So leaders in the church must seek to have a good testimony before those outside the church. Again, integrity. In doing business, dealing with clients or at work, in their relationships and dealings, elders must be well thought by outsiders in regards of their integrity. 
The emphasis seems to be that, in this regard, a bad reputation with the unbelieving word would cause the elders to fall into disgrace, be slandered, and the congregation with them. Paul is concerned not only with the elders and their families, but the congregation at large. Elders are to be family men. Men who manage their households well. Who love their, their wives. And are active in discipling and disciplining their children. Elders are to have their households in order. And their children submissive to his authority in the home. Elders who do not love and serve his family. Neither discipline, neither disciple, disciple and discipline his children will rarely have their respect. In other words, those they are not providing godly leadership, guidance, and correction are not fit for leadership in the church. In the context of the elders who are married. As a writer pointed out, the Puritans referred to family as the little church. The little church. The family life and home are the training ground for an elder. I do believe I have a slide for that. But I think this is so impactful that I think we need to understand that the family, the life, your house is the training ground for leaders. And then again, Alexander Strott, this pastor, he said something very important. I think it's worth, worth the quote. Managing the local church is more like managing the family than a business. And the thing is, we all know this. This is not new. We heard this before. But we need to be reminded, continue about this. Because we live in the business world. We all are employers or employees. So we need to, we need to be careful not to bring this mindset into the church and find and try to apply all the business concepts into the life of the church. That's not right. The same way that it's not right to cross them out, since there are wonderful things that we can learn. But in terms of the qualifications and, and raising up leaders in the church, the scriptures stands above everything else. And the scriptures today is reminding us about character. I remember my interview ordination in the end of 2018. And as I arrived at uh, my previous pastor's home, Pastor Carlos, with my wife, and I was, um, of course, nervous, thinking about what kind of theological questions they would ask me. And as as we arrived at his house, he asked us to wait in his living room because he, Armando, and another elder from another church, they were finishing... They were praying for us and they need to discuss a little more a little other things in regards of my interview. And I remember sitting in his couch and waiting 
for him to call me into his office and to interview me. My mind all over the place. I remember when he opens the door, he called first my wife. <laughs> they interviewed my wife first before interviewing me. And in my mind, well, I'm not a perfect man. I think I'm disqualified. <laughs> but the overall idea of their interviewing my wife was to assess my character, who I am at home when no one is looking, who I am at home with her, with friends. And of course, she told me that later. So when she came out of the office, they called me in, and I was expected a bunch of theological questions, which they did ask me some questions about the gospel, but they were asking me things in regards how I would react in some uh, situations, how would be my position in certain things. And I noticed that they were trying to get more about me, about my persona, my character, my view on things in regards of integrity. And I left the meeting encouraged because in my mind it's like if they start asking hard theological questions, I'm not ready to answer them. And I would not pass the examination test. <laughs> but that was not the case. Those elders, they, they look at this passage before considering me, of course, to be an elder. But in their interview, they put forward these things and they read before me. We pray these things before and in, in the end of the interview. They were, they were putting forward like what God is, has written in His Word. And of course, they, I've been, I was a member for this church for almost five years, almost four years. So they had enough time to access, to access my, uh, my life and my family life. So I'm just giving this illustration so that you see how crucial it is for the church, for existing elders, to look among the fold for men who are growing their godly character, who are growing as leaders in their home before considering if they are skilled enough, if they have enough eloquence or knowledge to teach the congregation. According to the scriptures, what makes a man eligible to serve as an elder, again, is not his charisma. The scriptures emphasizes character over competency. A savvy business entrepreneur or a CEO of a company, accomplished CEO, might not be necessarily fit for the position of leadership if he does not fulfill these qualifications. But how tempted we are to look at a man with great experience in a senior age who had built business and, and, and perhaps have even given much to the cause of Christ. And to look at him and say, this would be a good leader in the church. His experience would bring so much 
into the life of the church, which might be true. But the question is, for the church, when looking for that, is, is it qualified? Is he qualified according to these standards? If he is, wonderful. If he's not, do not be persuaded by outward appearances. Fellow elders in church, when looking for elders, looking for men who had a servant heart, those were one of the, thing, one of the things that Carlos told me when I became an, when they vote for me to be the next lady pastor of Christ our hope. He said, Johnny, when you look for elders in the church, look for men who have not only fulfilled these qualifications, but who have a heart of a servant. We have a heart of a servant. You know what it means to, be, to have a heart of a servant? It means to serve with all humility. It means to do anything and everything for others, despite your personal preferences, despite what you think about yourself, despite if you think you're a good teacher, you're willing to mop the floor if that's necessary. Despite who you are outside in the church, you are willing to serve in any capacity, regardless of your position your skills, your social status. Friends, we must look for qualified men, not professionals. Character outshines everything else. In the work of raising up leaders, God looks beyond outward appearances. Let me encourage those who are aspiring to be in leadership position or may think they are called to serve in leadership position. Let me encourage you. If you think that because you are not an elder or you don't have all these skills that we may tend to see as good things and they are let me encourage you to continue to grow continue to seek the Lord seek, continue to seek in ways to serve this congregation you don't have to put yourself forward or to sell yourself before the congregation you don't need to do that because if you need to do, if you do that you automatically put yourself in the back of the line so actually you must serve, grow in our faith. Seek the Lord. Aim first and foremost to grow in our faith and serve the church. And the Lord will raise you up. The Lord will make things clear to you and the church. Now that I gave an encouragement, I want to give a light rebuke. <laughs> encouragement comes first, right? So... Men, if you think that because you're not an elder or because, and you are, because you're not an elder and you are confident that you're not calling to serve, these standards do not apply to you, I would like to ask you to reconsider. I will ask, I will ask you to reconsider your position. Look to what Paul said to Titus in regards of how he is to instruct men in the church. 
This is what Titus is supposed to say to older men in his congregation, in Crete. He says this to Titus. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Sober-minded, temperate, dignified, respectable, self-control in the use of money, alcohol, discipline, right, with his time. Sound in faith, in love, in steadfastness. So the man in, so Timothy's titles is to instruct the, the man in the church to seek these things, to apply these things in his life. So in one sense, every man in this room, and I'm almost there, just hang with me. In one sense, every man in this room is a leader, whether you like or not. And for this reason, you and I will be held to higher standards, regardless if you are leader in this church or not. Men, if you are... If you're not shaping your life according to the scriptures and pursuing to grow in all of these areas, you are falling short of your call as leaders, as men in your, in your home. You're falling short of being an example to your family. Whether you are a married man or a single man, Perhaps you're not going to be an elder in the church. But how about displaying before the watching world a godly character that will give this essence of Christ to everyone around you. And I would like to conclude saying this. Elders are to be blameless in their conduct and appoint qualified men who not only aspires to leadership, but are, are also willing through the work of serving and caring for the church. And the church is the assembly of the blood-bought people of God. Fellow elders, or fellow elder, our job is a fine work. It is a noble Task. Honorable. Let's continue to trust in His enabling grace. He will carry us through. Those who desire to be leaders in the church, you desire a good thing. Therefore, seek to live a life above reproach. First, before seeking the position of leadership, seek first to be a servant in the church. And if God has called you to serve as an elder in the church, that will become clear to this congregation. You don't need to fight for that. Just grow in your faith. Serve the Lord with all your heart. Church, be subject to the elders and pray for their souls and families. And show them respect and honor as God's humble children.
By doing this, you encourage us to continue to serve you with joy and gladness of heart. We are called to be an example. But we are far from being perfect models. Thanks be to Jesus, who by dying on the cross, showed us that He's not only the ideal, but the perfect model. The true shepherd of His people, who never leaves us or forsakes us. Praise the Lord. Then His mercy, He has raised fallen men to serve our congregations in the power of His Spirit. Through their example and love, as imperfect as they are, God is leading and showing care for His church. Let's bow our heads and praise the Lord in prayer.